It's over, Adam. No, I can finish it, all right? I can finish it. I should have stopped you from pairing the last episode. I'm stopping this one. Don't, okay? Let me finish it. I gotta prove it. Prove what? That this podcast wasn't a mistake. Now look at me. I never got a chance to thank Mauricio or Ryan for helping me out. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to schedule and prioritize recording sessions. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to write. But if I write, I want you to write too. I want you to go across this room and finish this pitch. Can you do it? Say it. I'm going to finish this pitch. I know you are. You know why? Because it's already done. You showed it to me three months ago. Sometimes one's greatest opponent is the person staring back at them from inside the mirror. That can be true in boxing, and it can be true in movies. More and more movie franchises are becoming so big that they collapse under the weight of their own expectations. If a sequel tries too hard, it's accused of being overblown. If it tries too little, it feels anticlimactic. And if a first sequel manages to succeed, then the third chapter is, more often than not, doomed to fall short of expectations. The fight rarely lasts three rounds. In the case of the Creed franchise, the Chartoffs, the Winklers, and Stallone have so far produced two successful entries. Can these fighters land three blows before a knockout? Well, I suppose before we dismiss the possibility of a successful third entry, we should first ask ourselves, do we think we could make a good one? Hello and welcome to Dodd and Adam Do the Sequel. On this very special episode, not only are Adam and I each pitching a sequel idea, it's for a movie that hasn't even been made yet. We wanted to see if we could figure out a Creed 3 that was worth jeopardizing both the Creed and Rocky franchises for. Let's make a Creed 3 that we'll never have to prove that it's not a mistake. <laughs> well, I guess are we we're live? Are we going? Hey, I don't know. I mean, uh, smarter than the picnic baskets, average pair. I don't know. What does he say? Something like that. I don't know where that came <laughs> can, from. Can you do me a favor? I'm getting uh, a little tired of saying welcome back to the viewers cut. I've been doing a lot. Can you introduce this episode and say welcome back? Hey, yo, uh, welcome back to the Viewer's Cut. Uh, my name is Andrew, and uh, this here is my friend Adam. Hey, yo, say hello, Adam. <laughs> For anyone that can't see Andrew, which is everyone, he's got the lip going to it. Like, it's 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 a really good impression. I wish people could see you doing it. That's the only way, you know, you can... Ah, forget it. I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm just embarrassing myself here now. <laughs> Well, well, we're back talking about Rocky. Who who would have guessed it? Oh, it's been a year. So we need to talk about every November. We got to talk about Rocky again somehow. This is it. We've run out of ideas. We're back. We're retreading Rocky. <laughs> well, we uh I I know I was a huge fan of your Dodd does the sequels and uh I I I Kind of remember when this kind of came about. It was in the process of, of us watching the movies leading up to Creed 2. And you and I just started, after we saw uh, Creed 2, we both decided, well, what the hell are they going to do if they announce a third one? 
uh, because they basically peaked with the second one. I mean, you can't top Adonis fighting uh, Drago's uh, kid. What was his name? I, um, Victor. Victor Drago. So, you, I mean, they already peaked. So what do you do in a third movie? And then, obviously, a little bit uh, time goes by, and they're announced uh, the third movie, and then Michael B. Jordan's directing it, so kind of following in the same footsteps as Stallone, who directed the, the second one back in uh, 1979. So, it you know, history is kind of repeating itself. So you and I were kind of dumbfounded. We're like, well, what the hell are they going to do with this movie? What I mean, are you, gonna, you can't bring Clubber Lang's kid back like that'd be a little ridiculous so uh we were both kind of like just kind of going back with ideas i remember we were sitting in your kitchen and we were just kind of going back what we could do do they change the formula i know you're big on uh doing something completely different and as we all know the rocky movies have a very specific formula the the really successful movies follow it and a couple experimented rocky five is one of them they tried to break the formula it didn't work and i know you're a bigger fan of rocky five than i am but it's not saying much but um fans the right <laughs> word you know what I'm saying? <laughs> i saw your poster you love rocky five i love rocky five well yeah yeah i like it better than it's not my least favorite rocky <laughs> so yeah i thought this would be interesting so i think i pitched the idea of at some point i don't remember when but i just thought you and i had a good dialogue we had some really good ideas and then me being who i am Months later, on my own, I was just inspired. I came up with one idea. So I just wrote a whole treatment, and I actually physically brought the treatment to Andrew, and he didn't even know, and I handed it to him to read, and he loves when I give him stuff to read. So um, <laughs> I'm like, Tony Stark, don't don't hand me things. I don't want to know. So, yeah, I, I got a little inspired, and I brought it up to him. I said, would you want to do something like this? So this is our first Dodd, does this, Dodd and Adam do the sequel without a movie that doesn't exist. So, so speaking of breaking the form, uh, you said I like breaking the formulas. I love this. It's a Dodd does the sequel. It's an Adam and Dodd do the sequel. And it's a movie that hasn't happened yet. So why not? And, we, yeah. and we're hoping that they're listening because I don't think the movie's gone to camera yet. So maybe they'll listen to this episode and take some of our ideas. That'd be we great. We've got to copyright this episode, eh? Is the, <laughs> what's, the, what's the trademark on this? Now, uh, what we all experienced in film school is when you have four very different individuals with different personalities and different working style you know, working styles it would have been hard for us to piece together a complete story that we both were happy with like we both had some ideas but i think we kind of will veer at some point so we thought why don't we each write our own treatment i've already shared mine with dot i have not heard his i, I know some of his ideas but i haven't heard anything and we just thought it'd be interesting to see take the best you know discuss what we like what we don't like i don't love my idea there are some things I like. I love in it, well, that's but good. yeah. Well, no, like I, I'm a fan of it. Like I'm, I'm proud of it. Like it's fun to to map out where a story is gonna go and what you think would work for you. Again, trying to balance fan service and breaking new ground. But I'm also, I think the formula in some degree is important because that's how these movies are successful. And we don't want another Rocky Five, where Donnie's fighting some guy in the street. <laughs> so. I mean, that's kind of where I was at with it. And then, um, obviously, Andrew's going to come at it from a different perspective. So we just wanted to try something new, break some new ground, like we said. So we thought this would be fun. And uh, do you have anything to say, Andrew, before we jump into it? For the, for the sake of our friendship, we decided, decided to do separate story treatments. <laughs> I, think, I think we both realized like we each had enough good ideas that weren't gelling 
with each yes. other that we thought well, instead of each of us abandoning some of what we wanted to do, why don't we each do one, bring them together and compare and contrast, which I think will be mm. fun to see which ideas we share and which ones are totally different. I'm betting the latter, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> I think you've made some, you've made some tr- changes to your treatment. You haven't really heard my full one. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how, how much they line up or don't. Yeah, like there's big things too, right? Like obviously a number number one is don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. No, no, I'm not saying what I'm doing. I'm saying a big question was what to do with Rocky, because right. as we know with Creed three, Stallone has already said he's not coming back and in any fashion. So that was a big thing that I dealt with. Again, I I can only speak for myself. What to me as I tried to look at it two ways as a diehard Rocky fan and as an objective viewer. Because you mm-hmm. want to try to bring in more audience. You're going to have your Rocky fanatics. We're all going to be there. But how are you going to try to make it work for other people and make it a crowd-pleasing movie? But also have it make sense because a big running theme in these Creed movies, especially, is what is he fighting for? It was very relevant in the first one and then even in the second one. And it, it they made it work. I mean, Creed 2 could have been really bad. They made it work. They gave it something. So what do you do in this one? You can't recycle the same idea. So that was a big thing that I, that I dealt with with it. So I thought it was, it, it, and I'm not as creative as I used to be. So this was just a fun project for me. And then we get to record it. So it's even better. Well, so you're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know uh, who goes first. You go. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, I basically attacked this the same way I did Scream 3 back when I did it in Season 2, uh, season two when I did my my best Andrew Dodd impression. It's just a very rough blueprint, a, a treatment, just kind of where the story goes, a few story beats. I don't get into any specific detail. And, I mean, it would take a better screenwriter to, to flesh everything out, more nuance and all that kind of stuff. This is just kind of where I'm at, a couple of characters I would introduce and and see where everything goes. I'm big on balancing fan service. It can't be a full fledged fan service. I mean, it's got to tell its own story. It's got to stand on its own two feet, but you also want to make people happy. So that's kind of the approach I took. And, um, my decision with what I did with Rocky, I stand by, I'd be very happy. That's the, probably the biggest thing I would take away from my treatment is, uh, what I decided to do. So yeah, I broke it into three acts. So I'm just going to go dot. Are we going to ask each other questions throughout or just, just go until you're done, then do everything at the end. Uh, I, I, uh, ooh. Um, I think if uh, if you have a plot point that I really feel like I've missed or don't understand, can I like jump in and just say, yep, can I course. clarify this or that? But other than that, I won't try to interrupt you. I'll, yep, I'll, I'll take you, pauses between. I'll take pauses between kind of each break up here and uh, and yeah, rifle through it as quickly as I can. Okay, so. Let's get that. I gotta figure out the best way to do this. There we go. Okay. So I have act one, and I broke each act up into just kind of what's gonna be tackled in each in each act. So I got act one, introduction, uh, adversary, and ultimatum. Ooh. So the film yeah. <laughs> the suspense builds. <laughs> uh okay. The film opens up with a man, Jerome, who's in the streets on his way home. He gets back to his rundown apartment. He has nothing in the fridge, and his place is a mess. He does some working out in his apartment, takes a shower, and heats up heats up some leftovers from the fridge. He sits down in front of the TV and watches watches Adonis's next fight. He watches intently. 
We go to Adonis's fight. It's a back and forth match, and Adonis looks out in the crowd, and Bianca is not there watching him like she usually is. He ultimately defends his title for a fifth time since his fight with Drago. Little Duke is still his main trainer, and obviously Rocky is nowhere to be seen. Uh, after the match, he gets back to his locker room. He texts Bianca, not knowing where she is. She doesn't text back. He leaves the arena with paparazzi and reporters going crazy around him. He gets into his car and drives off alone. Uh, the noise kind of just dissipates, and he's just left alone. Adonis, <clears throat> Adonis, Ad Adonis gets home and embraces his daughter, who is about five years old now, so about a five-year time jump. He forgets some of his sign language as he tries to talk to her. Bianca shows up and clears everything up and sends her to bed. Bianca asks how the fight went and she said he or he said uh, he won. She doesn't seem that interested. She checks all his bruises and he says it was nothing, some stitches and some swelling, nothing crazy. She looks at his knuckles and they're a mess. They have a fight, tensions are high. She's not happy with their life and what he goes through uh, through all these fights uh, and basically what his daughter sees every day. Very similar to Adonis's mom in the first film. They leave angry. Adonis goes downstairs and he's fuming. He needs to calm down. While seated, he sees a photo of he and Rocky on the bookshelf. He starts to tear up, but we don't know what happened. Adonis and Bianca in the... Oh, oh typo, sorry. Adonis visits Bianca in the bedroom and he apologizes. He can't imagine retiring. Boxing is so important to him. They have a heart-to-heart, -heart and Bianca says she wants him here and alive and functional. She also, she also says someone reached out to her from Philadelphia. There's a teaching opportunity. She misses music. It's been so long, and Philly is uh, her home. Bianca asks him to really think about it, and they kiss and make up. Adonis weighs, stays awake that night. He can't sleep. He's flustered. We go, to, we go back to Jerome in a small-town boxing match, very similar to Rocky in the first Rocky, although... Um, he wins very easily, similar to Rocky. After the match, he attends a self-help group and uh, basically uh, an AA meeting. In this scene, although it has already been discussed, we as an audience will uh, get the backstory through other people asking him questions. So essentially, Jerome's backstory is he's another boxer who is an up-and-comer who uh, has a personal vendetta against Adonis. He's eight years younger and was at the same detention center when Adonis was there. He says Adonis beat up a lot of kids while he was there, and he said he was a bully. He then started boxing too, and right when he started getting noticed, it's when Adonis started boxing with Rocky, back in the events during the first film, and he got all the press and all the attention. He watches all of Adonis' fights, and he can't stand seeing his fame. He disappeared and trained even harder, and now he's ready, and he wants his shot. Reminiscent to Clubber Lang in Rocky III. He also mentions the, the rough social circle that he tries to get away from. So in this scene, he's, he's very vulnerable and opening up to the people that he obviously talks to on a regular basis. Adonis meets with Little Duke, and they discuss retirement, and he doesn't know what to do. He has taken a beating, and he may not have much luck left. Little Duke says if he supports him, he can... Uh, or no, Little Duke says he supports him, and he's got a job here. If he wants to retire, he can help him train. Later that night, Adonis stays at the gym alone. He does a light workout. Someone comes to the door, and Adonis lets him in. It's Jerome. They meet privately. He tells him that he wants to fight him for the title, and Adonis tells him he's going to retire. Jerome gives him one week before he will start embarrassing him. You took my fame away, now I'm going to take yours, Jerome says. He leaves Adonis alone. 
Bianca finishes up her virtual interview and it went very well. They say they will uh, let her know. She signs off and puts on some music. She has a nice, beautiful moment to herself. She really gets in the mood. She really misses music. Adonis sees her in the doorway and watches her as she dances slowly to herself. He says he will retire and they embrace. The next morning, Adonis is getting ready and joins the girls in the kitchen and they tell their daughter the news. Adonis struggles again with some of the sign language but eventually gets it right. They go outside and get in the car and drive off. Another car drives in front of them, stopping them. Jerome gets out of the car and yells at him, wanting him to change his mind. Some others get out of the car as well. Bianca begs him to get in the car and he does and he ends up fighting Jerome in the street and gets tuned up. It also gets recorded on video and obviously ends up on social media. They all leave. At the hospital, the press is all over Adonis as they arrive after surgery. Bianca comes in to meet with him and she's angry at him for lying and fighting. She tells him the job called and they want to meet with her in person, so she's taken their daughter for a week to Philly. She tells him to think long and hard about his next move. After she leaves, Adonis pulls up the news stories on his phone of him getting beat up and Jerome calling him out. He's embarrassed and he's angry. Bianca arrives back in Philadelphia at her cousin's place where they crash for the night. She gets into her room and she breaks down and cries briefly. This is a very personal moment for Bianca. She doesn't know what her future holds and with who. Uh, but then she wipes away her tears and she starts putting her stuff, uh, her stuff uh, away and get herself ready for her interview. Act 2, Alone, Loss, and Discovery. Adonis gets home and listens to a voicemail from Little Duke, saying he's getting hounded about the street fight, saying he'll be fine, and he needs to get up. Uh, he needs to set up his next fight. He then starts to drink. He doesn't sleep, and he even tries to call Bianca, but she doesn't answer. This would be like kind of like a montage of him kind of falling apart. Jerome is at another fight, and Adonis shows up in disguise at the back to watch. He sees Jerome take down his opponent, opponent relatively easily. He leaves and goes to a bar where someone recognizes him and wants his autograph. He signs it with confusion, almost like he doesn't feel like he deserves to give an autograph. Adonis is shocked. He drinks alone. On his drive home, he eventually gets into a car accident while intoxicated. He hits a tree. No one else is injured. He gets out of the car with a cut on his forehead. The damage isn't too bad. A little blood. He sits by his car all alone. He gets home to clean up his head wound, and this is where he sees Marianne, his adoptive mother, I guess. She is very mad at him. She lays into him and tells him he's an idiot and will talk in the morning. In the morning, Marion makes him a big motherly breakfast and says she has something planned for him and tells him to get ready in 20. Bianca goes to her job interview and does very well, but she has a tough time explaining her job situation. This is about like her hearing loss and kind of her own story. She gets emotional in the interview. Not too bad, but it's obvious. And uh, basically tells her about her hearing condition. And she really wants to make a difference with kids... Uh, with kids' lives while she can. The interviewer is touched and impressed and applauds her honesty. Adonis and Marianne go for a drive. She takes him back to the t detention center where she found him, and they have a heart-to-heart. -heart. She tells him there is still hope, but fighting is not the answer. Get your life to back together. Bianca is having dinner with her daughter and cousin, and she gets a phone call from Adonis. He's at the body shop. He asks her about your interview, and she says it went well, and she will find out soon. He tells her about his visit with her mom, and he's feeling better, but he still doesn't open up to her. He's holding back. She feels the restraint and even asks if there's something you're not telling me. He wants her to come uh, home, and she tells him to come to Philly, and we will talk. She tells him he needs to get out of there. Jerome is at another meeting and talks about the fight that he got into, because obviously they all saw it too, and how he feels this desperate need to, uh, to be Adonis. And the counselor questions if that's really what he needs. He suggests trying to talk to Adonis, but not about fighting. Discuss their similarities and their upbringings and get to know each other more as human beings and not as boxers. 
Uh, Adonis meets with Little Duke and he says that he's going to retire, make it official, and set up a press conference. It's at this moment when he gets a phone call and finds out that his mother, Marianne, died in a car accident. Adonis finds out that his mom died in the car accident because of a drunk driver. He is heartbroken and then he sees the driver who also, who's also injured but didn't die. He goes to fight him and then they restrain him. Adonis realizes that that could have been him. He was also drunk and uh, got into a car accident. He stops and leaves angrily. He gets outside and yells. He's all alone. He gets the phone call. Or he gets the phone out to call Bianca. It goes to the funeral where she is laid to rest next to Apollo's grave. Bianca is there supporting him. They walk afterwards, and Bianca consoles him. She wants them to be a family again, and he tells her he wants to. He tells her that he wants to fight this guy, and she can't watch him do it. She can't be in his corner anymore. It's too hard. Come to Philly and see your daughter. Adonis is reunited with his daughter in Philadelphia and they stay up watching TV together, laughing, another montage, they're just kind of reconnecting. And again at night, Adonis lays awake, he cannot sleep, he gets up and paces around, he has a lot on his mind, clearly. Jerome is walking home one night and uh, he ends up fighting a bunch of people that are making fun of him. And uh, they're calling him out for being a dick, similar to, to Apollo and Rocky too. Uh, the cops get called and uh, Adonis gets taken away in cuffs. In the morning, Adonis tells Bianca he needs to go see him, and she understands. Adonis leaves while Bianca watches in concern. Adonis arrives at the cemetery, where Rocky is buried, right beside Polly and Adrian. Adonis has a heartbreaking scene where he cries to Rocky. He lets everything out, and then Bianca appears having heard everything. She gives him valuable advice, and they have a powerful moment where they finally come together. Very similar and reminiscent to the beach scene in Rocky Three. What's the advice? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I haven't got that far. Okay. Back in LA, Adonis ends up going to the same AA self-help group that Jerome went to and learns about him, finally. Their paths are very similar. They tell him he is currently incarcerated for getting into another fight. Adonis has a scene where he visits Jerome in jail and Jerome has a breakdown yelling at Adonis, similar to Creed uh, uh, when Adonis yells at Rocky and when he's in jail. Adonis has a press conference where he officially announces his retirement. He's going to be with his family and leave, ignoring, or to be with his family. And then he leaves with his family, ignoring all the press and getting into their car together and driving off. Very symbolic, leaving everything behind, driving off to his future with his family. Act 3, Connection, Reunion, and Farewell. Adonis is waiting for Jerome when he is released. They walk back to his place and he realizes that he can help him. He encourages him to get out of here and start fresh. He wants him to come to Philly and he will help him train. He leaves him uh, his address in Philly and uh, Jerome is left not knowing what to do. Another montage begins as Adonis and Bianca move to their new place back in Philly. Things are going well. They play around and unpack. They paint the house. Adonis drops her off to her first day of work. Uh, and Bianca's thrilled at her new job as a teacher. Adonis uh, drops his daughter off to school, and they hug goodbye. Everything is going well with the family, and in the evening, one night, Bianca tells him she's pregnant again. They're both happy, and they embrace. Jerome then shows up at the house one night, and Adonis answers the door. He tells him he rented a place in Philly, and he got a part-time job, and Adonis says, let's get to work. Montage begins, the two of them starting to team up. They go back to Front Street Gym. Adonis introduces him to everyone. They start training together, and Adonis is heavily involved, sparring together, doing workouts with him. It ends up, uh, it ends with the two of them running side by side down a similar street as in the first Creed, and Jerome beats Adonis by a tiny bit, and they share a moment together afterwards. Similar to Rocky and Apollo. 
Not at the. I, I was just about to get to that. Similar to Rocky and Apollo, and I have in brackets, but not hugging in the water. Um, uh, come on. We <laughs> we go to the arena where there is a decent crowd and some press, but nothing crazy. Nothing compared to the other fights. It's not super packed, but there's enough attention. They talk a little about Jerome's backstory and how he got here with Adonis, the former champ in his corner. In the locker room, Adonis gives Jerome advice. Again, I don't have the advice written. <laughs> and says that he is proud of him and Jerome thanks him for helping him. They then joke about their straight fight. Adonis replies, well, maybe one day we'll have a rematch behind closed doors. They walk out to the ring together. Bianca is in the crowd watching back in his corner. Very symbolic. The fight uh, goes three rounds. Jerome starts out slow, but he gets the upper hand after the second round. Adonis gives him great advice. Again, I don't have advice. <laughs> Some boxing <laughs> advice. And Jerome... Slip Jerome the jab. Wins by, <laughs> Jerome wins by KO in the middle of the third round. After the fight is over, Adonis looks over and sees Bianca standing and smiling while pregnant with their second child. He congratulates Jerome and tells him to enjoy this moment, and he leaves and walks over to hug and kiss Bianca. She says she's proud of him, and they look over and see Jerome smiling and happy in the ring while taking press and doing interviews and all that kind of stuff. Adonis and Bianca then leave. They pass through all the press, ignoring them once again, and walk out the back door of the gym alone. They walk off alone together, holding hands... Uh, through the alley, very reminiscent of a deleted scene and the old poster of the first Rocky movie when Rocky and Adrian are walking alone down the street. Sometime later, Adonis stands at the top of the Rocky steps. He paces back and forth, reminiscing. He then looks down and smiles. Bianca and their newborn son are walking up the steps while his daughter runs up the steps. She jumps around at the top and uh, air punches in excitement. Adonis picks her up and kisses her. He then signs to her perfectly. The family embraces, and while standing there at the top, Adonis looks over, and from his point of view, we see the Rocky statue in the distance. Adonis re uh, reminisces about Rocky. Bianca watches Adonis, and she smiles. Adonis then looks out on the beautiful scenery in front of him, and he says to Bianca, You know, if you look hard enough, you can see your whole life from up here. Bianca replies, Really? Well, how's it looking? And Adonis smiles. And very reminiscent to the first creed, he replies, not bad at all. He smiles and looks at his family. They smile back. Adonis is happy. He is fulfilled with the decision he made to get here to this moment. The next chapter of his life has only just begun. Cut to black, the end. Dee -dee 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 -dee. Please talk for a little bit, Andrew. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so that's a lot. You got... Uh... Oh, you've got Donnie fighting in this movie and then retiring and becoming the trainer all in one movie. It's kind of yes. like it's got it's got Rocky three. It's got a little bit of Rocky five. It's got uh, you got a lot packed in there. How long? How, yes, how long do you envision this movie? Well, like I've talked to you a bunch. I'm my I'm a big I have a big proponent of movies in the same franchise or trilogy or whatever have to follow the same pace structure. I'd want this right around the same runtime as the other ones, just over two hours. I figured with what they did in Rocky three in 90 minutes, I could add the extra 30 <laughs> minutes with more character stuff because they sure. did it in Rocky three pretty much. Sure. So I'd follow about the same story beats, but I get an extra 30 minutes of character because my big thing is if I, if once I decided to go this route, I ha this movie relies on the performance uh, by the character of Jerome. 
I need him to come to life in this movie. He needs to be better than Clubber Lang because he's not a villain. He's just, and he's not an antagonist. He's just another character. And I, I, that was me breaking the formula a little bit where he starts out one way and he has his own arc in the movie because like Clubber Lang doesn't have an arc. Drago has the tiniest arc in, in Rocky Four. Very little. Could have been better. Better in Creed Two. So that was a big thing for me. And then obviously um, keeping it at the two hour mark. I think the first Creed is paced perfectly. Creed Two could have been trimmed five minutes maybe. But I need that solid two hours to, to combine that. But it would all come down to the chemistry with whoever would be casted as Jerome. Just get another good young black actor. It'd be great. Maybe... I don't know. It, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Don't worry about it. Yeah, somebody good. Yeah. Um, somebody good. Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh um, so that, yeah. what's his name? Da- uh, David Washington. Yes, that'd be great. But he'd be, he'd, be to be, he'd be have to be younger than Michael oh, B. Jordan. Oh, yeah, okay. And that was a big thing for me, the connection. I'm. This is a trilogy, and to me, trilogies have to kind of go back. I, I like to follow the rules that we learned from the Scream trilogy and the fourth one and the fifth one <laughs> that's coming out is the third one has to – you have to pay your respects to the original movie and especially the first one. You got to go back, and I, that was my the detention center. We got to take the story back there where it all began. So that's how I incorporated that. I wanted um, – they say your your protagonist has to be the darkest in the second act. He gets pretty low in this one, which is kind of breaking the rules. No, no, but, no. Superman three, yeah. Spider Man three. They all the protagonist becomes the bad guy in part three. That's a, that's another trope <laughs> as well. I think it happens at other places too. Yeah. So I just picked specific things and I just kind of wove the story. So, and a big thing for me as well before I before I come back to you, Dad. Last thing I'll say, then I want you to take it is. I didn't want Bianca to get drifted off into the background. I wanted to give her something, and I love the storyline that I wrote for her in this with her teaching. Because, again, if it's another few-year jump, her hearing will just keep getting worse. So I wanted to give her something, and I wanted her to stand her ground, and I wanted Donnie to change. I didn't want her to have to adapt to him. She stands her ground. She's a great mother. She gets her job. She has a few beautiful moments for to herself. So that was, that was important for me. What I do with Rocky... What I do with Bianca, this character of Jerome, and then obviously Michael B. Jordan's a great actor. He'll be fine in a- anything. <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah. So what would you say he, he was fighting for? If you sum it up into one thing, what's he fighting for in this one? To me, and mm-hmm. I actually asked myself this, mm-hmm. and it might be cheesy. It might not nail again. Don't uh, say love. Uh, no, 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 no. You fle- you, you Love wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you would flesh this script out. To me, when I asked myself that question, he's fighting for his future. Oh. And his family, his life, he sees – I mean, that was my whole thing with the scene with um, the other guy kill, killing his mom in the, in the car accident is he saw himself. That was him a night or two nights ago, whatever it ended up being. It could have very easily been him. So the whole movie is him – for he he's refusing to look at his future. He's very in the moment at the first act and especially most of the second act. He's in the moment. He's in a car accident. He's drunk. He's driving drunk. That's a very selfish in the moment decision that he made. He needs to look and fight for his future. He's still young. He's a young guy. He has a future ahead of him. He's got a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. So to me, when I asked myself that very question and if Rocky was in this movie, he would ask him again, what are you fighting for? Well, he's fighting for his future, in my eyes. Good. Very good. <laughs> did I did I pass? 
<laughs> yep, you had an answer. I knew you would. Yeah. So, anyways, yes, that's. I'm very proud of that. There's a few. Again, I'm not in love with the third act and the Jerome fighting thing, but my whole thing is Rocky Five really failed because of the third act. And if this Jerome character is good enough and people like him, like we fell in love with Adonis, it could be cool. It could work. I don't know. I mean, I'd be open to other suggestions for the third act, but I like a lot of the stuff in the first and second act, and I love I love the ending. Well, I love just li- little bits of Rocky, little yeah, moments. Yeah, and you just need a scene of them, like, in their little shorts, oiled up, uh, <laughs> training together, horsing around together, you know, at the end, you know, you want to ring the bell? Jerome? Yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> Then no, you got, no, then, no, then no. you have a hit on your hands. No problem. No, and it then, ends with it has it has to end with the family. It has to end with the four of them. And then in forty years or thirty years, you can recut it and release it as <laughs> Creed Three: Donnie versus Jerome. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this is very interesting. So uh, a lot of similarities, which I guess isn't a huge surprise. Because we, we did have that kitchen, the big kitchen talk, as you said. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so a lot of ideas are similar. Maybe some of yours subconsciously seeped into mine and I'd forgotten about it. Um, but uh, if you're ready, I can I can pepper I'm through ready. mine. Okay. Mine's not as uh, in-depth. Like, I didn't write a, a, as detailed as you did. I'm sort of just like major plot points listed out. Yeah, that's um, great. But if I can elaborate on them, then I will. This is a fun this is a fun exercise. Okay, here we go. Dodds Creed 3. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the scene opens, you know, you get the credits, the Erwin Winkler production whatever, the same thing that they all have, right? The Creed movies. Um and then it starts as a flashback to a teenaged uh Donnie. And wouldn't it be neat to get the same kid back that played the young him in the first scene of the first Creed, but now he's older because he's in school. So this is after Marianne has adopted him and he's in like some fancy rich private prep school and he's in like prep uh, school uniform and he's with all these smart kids and maybe it starts with him in class or something and the teacher asks him a question and he doesn't know the answer because he's never been properly educated before this probably, right? Mm-hmm. so he doesn't know the answer to a math question or something like that and it's wrong and he feels really stupid and afterwards out in the in the hallway or out on the schoolyard you know the other kids are making fun of him saying that he's dumb so what does he do he's donnie he beats them up right he he beats up these kids and then he gets in trouble for it and you can see sort of how angry he is at, at the fact that he was teased and being made fun of okay uh he's taken away and you see this angry look on his face we cut to black creed three comes up modern day uh now donnie is still fighting but now it's a professional boxing match and he's just like yours defending his title for the fourth or fifth time or something like that it's really it's way too easy kind of like the beginning of rocky three he wins again uh no big deal just like yours we see a young man let's call him jerome I'm fine with that. <laughs> we see Jerome or whoever, uh, a young man watching from a dingy pub somewhere, um, but he's he's supposed to be mopping the floor, and the boss yells at him for watching TV instead of mopping the floor. So then he gets back to work. Uh, later after the fight, I don't know if it's that night. I don't know if boxers are able to celebrate the night after a fight or whether they need to like go to the hospital. 
Um, but sometime after the fight, there's this big celebration. Okay, so it's like the VIP room at the club, the booze is flowing, Bianca's there, um, some other friends are there, and Donnie's just way too drunk. Okay, we've never seen him quite like this before, but he's celebrating and he's like, yeah, me, like he's really kind of uh, selling himself here as the champ and it's kind of cocky and Bianca's like, okay, and he gets way too drunk and Bianca has to take him home and maybe he's like throwing up in the toilet and, and she's got to, uh, or he throws up on the driveway or something like that and she's got to sort of um, tend to him. Um, and he's remorseful, right? That's his other thing. He's like getting all drunk, emotional, and she's just like, yeah, yeah, D, okay, whatever. Okay. Um, we find out later on, I don't have the details, but we find out that Bianca's hearing loss has uh, accelerated to the point where uh, it's starting to make an impact on her career. Okay, so she can't hear her own music anymore. She can't hear herself perform. It's starting to affect her performance, her pitches off, maybe something like that. She's not happy with where she's at, and she recognizes it's because she can't hear anymore. And people are telling you, you know, there's, there are deaf musicians, like it's a thing, but she's not happy where she is. Um, she feels that she needs to cancel uh, a tour that she had coming up. Okay. So her agent says, okay, you know, if you're not feeling it, go ahead and cancel this, this career, uh, this tour. It's not, she's not like, like the Rolling Stones big, but she's big enough to, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of Creed 2, she was pretty big. She was selling out concerts, yeah. and concert halls and stuff. So maybe she got to the point where she was doing some local tours, but anyway, she's had to cancel it. She goes to tell Donnie and she's just looking for support and she's really sad about it, but he's not supportive at all. He, he just gets angry and he says, you know, like, why are you doing this? Like, you can get through this. Come on, you're strong. And it's coming across as, as supportive, but he's clearly kind of getting angry about it. And she's like shocked that he's reacting so violently about it. And he like blames her for it and accuses her of being weak. And that's not what we're about. And she's like, what the hell? And he storms out and she's just like left there shocked. Like, can't believe he reacted that way. Like it just went from like zero to 60 so fast. Um, we meet this young fighter. He's growing up in maybe the south streets of Boston. Uh, and just like you, uh, Jerome, he's this this really rocky one reminiscent. Really likable guy. He's down on his luck. He's doing these menial, uh, uh, manual labored sort of jobs. And he's doing fights in church basements or whatever, just like Rocky did. He's trying to get along. He doesn't have any respect. Maybe we see him apply for a job or something and they're like, you know what, this really clearly isn't for you, but he's a really good fighter. And just like Rocky in 1976, he just wants a chance. Back in L.A., uh, Amora is off to kindergarten. Just like you, she's around four or five years old, so she's going to school for the first time. We see her at her first day of school, and I think, did we establish that she's completely deaf? Does it, did it say... Uh... I, I, think, I, I think so. Again, they, do, they yeah. don't say it in the movie. I think we just assumed based yeah. on their reaction. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that Amora, uh, Donnie and Bianca's daughter is completely deaf. Uh, you know, Bianca signs to her to like have a good day at school and Amora signs back. And of course, you know, kids being kids, Amora's going to get picked on a little bit. So, okay, so school does not go well for Amora. 
some kids are laughing at her or, you know, little kids just don't understand things like this. So they, she feels really, so she comes home crying and she's not happy about it. And when Donnie finds out, he's pissed and he just like takes off and drives to the school and he's like yelling at the principal. Like, you know, this is how they're going to let their kids treat each other. My daughter came home crying and Bianca has to go there and like calm him down and like apologize to the principal and be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and then, of course, this is more tension between Donnie and Bianca because he's like, don't tell me my business. What the hell? What the hell? And he leaves again. So there's obviously like no communication going on there. She doesn't know how to handle him. He's kind of becoming a bit uncontrollable. Uh, OK, so Donnie's trainer, Little Duke. OK, so Little Duke brings to his attention this young up and comer, Jerome, over in Boston. Um, you know, maybe there's like a puff piece article about him, something like that. And little Duke says, give this underdog guy a chance at the title, just like your father did 40 years ago or whatever. Uh, wouldn't this be neat, right? Like father, like son, the champ, you know, you're getting bored. There's no good fighters out there. Your father had the same problem. Uh, why don't we give this, why don't we give this American underdog a chance? So they say, fine. Donnie's fine with that. So uh, that's set up. Meanwhile, Bianca is worried about Donnie. She wants to talk to Marianne about it, but she's not sure how much to bring up because, you know, Marianne is like Donnie's mother and she's not, you know, how much do you, bad stuff do you say about your son? How much do you include your mother-in-law and your marital problems? So Bianca's kind of feeling a bit isolated. She sees something on TV, a news story, or reads something on the internet about concussions and about long-term effects of brain damage especially on athletes okay so football and boxing all right so now this is on her radar and she's obviously like we do suspect that maybe this is kind of what's going on with donnie um so now we've led up to the big fight between uh, jerome and donnie and uh, right before the fight, something happens. Her manager, Bianca's like label gets canceled, her record label. Or she was going to do a new album or something like that. And, and the producer backs out or something because she canceled her tour. So it's like a huge blow to her career. She doesn't know what she's going to do after this. It seems like this is you know going to be the end of her career. She can't say anything to Donnie. She wants to talk to him about it, but it's right before a big fight. So again, like Donnie's in his own head. It's all about Donnie. And she has to kind of cheer him on still and support him. Meanwhile, she's like dealing with this huge emotional blow and a blow to her career. They have the fight and it's like reminiscent of the end of Rocky one in the sense that uh, Jerome does really, really well. Um, Adonis didn't expect him to be so strong and it's a split decision, but just like Rocky one Creed still wins but he's very unhappy with his own performance. He's unhappy that it went to the full 15 or 11 rounds. I can never remember what it is. Um, so he's just like his, just like his father. He's angry with this. He doesn't like this. He wanted a clear knockout. He thought this would be nothing. And this guy gave him a run for his money. That night, he and Bianca really have it out. Uh, she's, she's, Obviously, she tells him about the record label. He's like, I can't think about this right now. She's like, what are you talking about? This is like my whole career. He's so, and he's so caught up about not, you know, have, doesn't like his performance. He's drinking. She talks about the drinking. She's worried about him. She doesn't want him to fight anymore. This sets him over the edge. He leaves again. He goes off and I have it just like you. I have him. He, he gets in a drunk driving accident that night. 
the media says, you know, the fight was unfair and that this new fighter should have won. Um, Bianca discovers Donnie in his apartment. He's hung over. The car was crashed the night before. The apartment's a total mess. Uh, she says she's worried about him. She, she brings up this thing on PTSD or CTE. Have you heard of this, Adam? Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. Uh, I was really worried yeah. I wasn't going to be able to say that properly. <laughs> I had to practice yeah, that's that. That's what the, the Will Smith movie is based on that. It's big in football right now. Exactly. It's big in football. Yeah. No one's talking about it as much in boxing, I don't think. Um, no. But this movie's going to call some attention to it. So she brings that up. She's got some articles she wants him to read. She really wants him to retire. He's like, no, every time she mentions him retiring, he like flies off the handle. He can't handle it. Right away, Donnie agrees to a rematch. I don't know what the rules are in boxing about rematches. Uh, I don't know if there's like a time limit that needs to go by. But as far as the movie goes, the next thing we see is him agreeing to this rematch with Jerome. So Jerome's uh, retraining. And, just you know, we don't we get much more to Jerome other than he's a really likable guy, just like what you said. We see that maybe he's supporting some people in his life. He's got like an elderly grandmother that he's looking after. This is this is not just like you. This is not a villain. This is a this is another guy who's down on his luck, who's looking for a shot. Back at school, Amora still has trouble with the same bully. Uh, when she comes home, maybe uh, this bully knocked her down, and she lost her. I mean, how bullies? I don't know how much there's bullying, and they're like four or five, but the kids are mean. Uh, maybe she lost a hearing aid or something like that, or she scraped her knee or something. And again, Donnie effing loses it. This time he drives off to the house of the parents where this kid lives who was bullying Amora and he and he beats up the dad. They obviously the, the dads get into an altercation about it and Donnie attacks the father and gets arrested. Um, Bianca goes to Marianne again, brings it up. Uh, what do I got here? Shit, he's got to get bailed out of jail. The media is all over him for this. You know, his reputation's being tarnished. Uh, leading up to the fight, Donnie has a physical. I think that's required of boxers. Do you know, Adam, if they have to be checked out? I believe out? so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he has a physical, and Bianca's there, and the doctor sort of mentions these things about, you know, concussions, brain damage, PTSD again, like just the trauma of constantly being in these boxes. Like, not even, not only the physical damage, but the psychological damage of, like, constantly being pummeled to death and worrying about you, like, can cause the same thing that war veterans can get sometimes, right? Or people who have uh, experienced abuse at a young age can have PTSD or at any age, really. Uh, and he's like, did you put, you know, to Bianca, he's like, did you put him up to this? And he blames her. He's like paranoid. He thinks these people are ganging up on him. Uh, doesn't take it well. And they go home. It escalates. And, you know, I have it that, you know, maybe he hits Bianca. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. But again, I'm I'm drawing from real life sports athletes, right? Uh, uh, Chris Brown oh, yeah. and, and what have you. Like it, it's it's everywhere. It happens. So let's talk about it. Ray Rice. Yeah, yep. no, I got gotcha. you. Yep. Um, she obviously is like, I f this. I'm out of here. She takes Amora that night, and they leave, and she's gone, and he's alone, and he finds himself that he can't stop shaking. Um, the media is turning against Donnie and starting to give more attention to Jerome. He realizes Jerome is the underdog that's sort of favored in this whole thing. Donnie goes to Marianne. She tells him, you know, your father was reckless too. 
she she advises him, you know, don't let it come between you and your family. Uh, and he admits to Marianne in a bit of an emotional scene that he never felt like he belonged in this world. And she says something like, baby, you belong wherever you want to belong or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, was trying, I, was trying, I was trying to do Felicia Rashad. Um, <laughs> uh, a week or so goes by. Bianca has moved back to Philly. I guess she has family there. I don't know. Did we ever talk about I that? I just guessed. Yeah. I just guessed. Yeah, I'd have the same thing. I have her leaving and yeah. going to Philly with Amora. He goes to Philly. She obviously doesn't want to talk to him, but he says, please, you know, you don't have to say anything. Just listen. He says, uh, I apologize. You know, he says, I, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for what I did. I don't expect you to forgive me that quickly, but I have to fight. I have to fight. It's all I know. She just listens. She doesn't say anything. He doesn't ask anything from her. He leaves her alone. Then he goes to Rocky's grave. Uh, <laughs> no, yes no mention of rocky so far the whole movie i don't want a picture i don't want any allusion to him i want to just like he's it's like he never existed until this scene we see Polly, we see adrian and we see rocky we see that he's buried there as well uh he goes to see rocky i don't know if that he says anything because as he gets there he sees that somebody else is there and this is an idea you and i had in the the big kitchen mm-hmm. I know uh, where this is going you know where this is going it's another young man it's uh Robert Balboa or Rocky Jr. played by what's his I name? I can't pronounce his last name, but Milo, handsome Milo, Milo. something or other. Yeah. From uh, This Is Us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, he's there. Also, he's in Philly for uh, I don't know some reason. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He wanted to see the Eagles. Um, <laughs> Well, he's from Philly, right? So there, there'd be lots of reasons for Robert to come. Yeah, to, to... again, I wouldn't really, really worry about it. Maybe, maybe they moved back to Philly from Vancouver. Who knows? Yeah, sure, I like that. So they and they realize these two have never met before. So they're like, "Oh, I'm here to see you know your your dad." And then they say, "Let." And Robert says, "You you, you want to get a drink? Where do they go to get a drink at Adrian's?" Uh, I guess somebody's still running it. Maybe Robert's running it. Maybe that's why he's back in Philly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they're at Adrian's restaurant and they're talking and Robert talks about his dad. And Robert's talking about, you know, had the, that died, dad died uh, younger than he should have. And that there was all sorts of physical problems that Rocky had before he died that they absolutely attribute to his boxing career, his very long boxing career. Um, <laughs> and says that, you know, towards the end, dad had trouble remembering things. Dad had a slurred speech, um, you know, and, and, and Donnie says to Robert, like, do you think your father regretted his career? And Robert says, you know, my dad always said he, he fought because he couldn't sing or dance. Uh, and that's all, you know, his dad knew how to do. Um, that's how his dad had to deal with everything. Any, any of his dad's, you know, when his dad dealt with emotion, when when he lost fights, when his mom died, uh, when Polly died, you know, he said all he knew how to do was turn to fighting. That's that was his life. Um, but he never wanted to, right? He always encouraged, if you don't have to do this life, then don't do it. So Donnie listens to that. We have a lead up to the big rematch between he and Jerome. 
and uh, Donnie and, and Bianca haven't talked since that night when he came to Bianca's house or whatever and said, just listen to what I have to say. And they're going out there and you can tell Donnie's thinking about stuff and he's worried about it. And uh, Bianca shows up in the dress, the, the not the dressing room. What's it called when you're, whatever the room is when before you go out to the fight. Is it a dressing room? Yeah, yeah. locker yeah. room or locker I don't room. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bianca's there and they don't really get a chance to talk, but she's got Amora with her. And it's right as right as Donnie's going out, and she says, "You know, D," and and she's there, and she's like, "You don't have to do this," just something like that. And uh, this is controversial. He goes up, he goes into the ring. It's like about to happen. She comes out of the locker room just like Adrian does at the end of the first fight. He sees her. He sees Amora, and he says. I'm I'm not doing this. He won't. He, you he, did it. I did it. You he, did it. He wouldn't fight. The only Rocky movie where the victory is to not fight at all. Uh, and he says, I'm not going to do it. And the, it's this huge blow up. And the media says, what? What the hell are you talking about? He throws in the towel before the fight even begins. And there's this media frenzy. Everybody's up on the ring. Everybody's talking. Blah, 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 blah. He goes over to Jerome and he says something to Jerome like, it's your time now or something like that. Doesn't mean that Jerome's the new champion, but it's like he's Creed's not going to stand in his way. Um, Bianca runs up to the ring. She gets onto the ring. She rushes up to him. It's just like the end of Rocky One with Adrian coming up to him in the ring. She says, "I love you." He says, "I love you," and uh, <laughs> they embrace. She and loses that, her hat. She loses. Yeah, where's your hat? Uh, they embrace, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, he retires. The next scene we see is just like your ending. It's uh, out on the streets of uh, Philadelphia. I want to see a news article or I want to see a TV clip or something about how... Uh, I just want the audience to know really quickly that Donnie's retired, but now he's dedicated his life to speaking out against head trauma in sports, um, saying that there's got to be a safer way of doing this, maybe less sparring and more body shots or something, but he's just... He's becoming a spokesperson for awareness about, uh, uh, you know, cr- chronic brain injury or traumatic brain injury because that athletes are, that have to face. So something like that, like that's what he's doing now. They're at the Rocky Steps. I want uh, Donnie, Bianca, and Amora. I also want Robert, whoever Robert's wife is, who we've never seen before. <laughs> She's there. And Logan is there. So Robert's son, Rocky's grandson, and maybe they're all at the base of the steps together. And I want Amora and Logan to run up the steps together because they're, I don't know, they'd probably, they'd probably be like four years apart or something like that. Maybe Logan, Logan would be the older one, right? Maybe Logan's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And all the adults are there by the Rocky statue. Maybe Robert and Donnie both look at the statue of Rocky and they look up at their kids and they say some cheesy line about going the distance or life's not bad or something like you say. <laughs> and it ends with, with Logan and Amora at the top of the steps doing the doing the Rocky thing with the parents down below watching them. And that's it. Cute. You yeah, did it. I did it. We both did it. <laughs> so just to be clear, too, you don't have any training montages in this. I know. Well, I think we'll have uh, Jerome... Or whatever his name is. I don't know. Jerome. <laughs> well, in my school. I hope there's a. He was going to be. I, I hope there's an actual be, Jerome. He was going to be Irish in my version because he was coming from south of Boston. 
Uh, but I don't know if Jerome's a real Irish name. (laughs) (laughs) Red. Yeah, Red. Yeah, I was gonna give him some some cute nickname like Rocky, but something else or something like that. And and Jerome, we really he's we we really want to fight for Jerome. We want him to have a chance. And we realized that Donnie was sort of the bad guy, kind of the Apollo Creed, sort of standing in his way a bit. So we have a lot, especially yours, is you and I both, and it's not a film we really like, we took a lot from Rocky V. <laughs> you especially, because that's literally what Rocky goes through in Rocky V. All oh, that, the- like, they really, did, they like, the, the head, tr- I don't know what they call it in that, but he's dealing with a head issue. Um, the doctor flat out tells him he can't fight and he has the same thing with Adrian that you have, uh, um, that Donnie has with, uh, with Bianca and yours, which yeah. is good. I, I, that, I like that in Rocky five. I want to double down on it. Rocky five talks about his brain injury, but it, it just magically goes away at the end. And I really want this to be more about like yeah, of course. what athletes go through and maybe he's pressured to fight. Um, uh by by his publicists or whatever like you see that there's there's really no appetite for him retiring because of this or people try to sweep it under the rug like i really want that real life parallel between what's going on in sports right now yeah yeah for sure no that's yeah. it's totally relevant it's a thing i watch football every year it's concussions like their protocols now for concussions are crazy they're they take it really serious like a lot of players are now missing games because of concussions right. used to be able to come back really quick so it's a it's a real thing 100 percent. and you would think it's such a big deal in football boxers literally get punched in the head hundreds of times oh yeah 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 <laughs> like it's insane and it's really big in football and i get it football is a dangerous sport too but uh you would think with boxing holy moly you're getting yeah. shots right to the head and I think, I don't remember this, but around the time of Muhammad Ali, when he was dealing with Parkinson's and what have you, I think the family at that time chose to be like, nope, it's unrelated. It's Parkinson's. He has Parkinson's. Yeah. That's it. And I think afterwards now, a lot of people are like, no, of course it was from the boxing. Like nobody wanted to say it at the time, but let's, let's call attention to this. And I think, again, similar to mine, it would, I mean, again, like I said, Michael B. Jordan's a great actor. He would, he would freaking run with your script that you just wrote he all those scenes you were saying he'd be amazing them tessa thompson's a good actress the creed this your version of creed 3 would already be a level above rocky 5 because rocky 5 even though it does tackle some interesting uh topics and some interesting it goes in a couple interesting directions it's cheesy it's poorly written yeah this would be totally different If, if you if you stick with the direction you're going it would totally be different. That would already make it better. It's just my biggest question mark because when you said the same thing when we were talking, it's like, it's just, how is that ending going to go with the audience? Because at the end of the day, the audience matters. At the end of the day, it's what makes it, it's a money making business. And how would people react to that? And they, they dabbled with it in Creed two, with throwing in the towel. We had never seen that before, and both you and I walked away and said. We liked it. We'd never seen it before. We both discussed, eh, it could have went the other way. Rocky could have thrown the towel. It could have been even more dramatic. But I was still happy with that. We'd never seen it before. It made sense. And it worked for their for the Drago's arc. Like, it was done beautifully for, for that side. It could have worked either way. Mm-hmm. So, if you got the guts to try something new, and there's a lot of young filmmakers out there that are, are, are paving the way and doing new, fresh things, it's just... 
when you have a movie that's the this would be the ninth movie in the Rocky franchise is breaking the formula for the last one. We saw what happened with Rocky Five. It was the last one. It went out on a sour note. A lot of people were upset. Are people more passionate about the Creed franchise versus the Creed little uh, trilogy versus the Rocky? I I think the audience is different now versus 1990. I think it'd be safer now. I think it would be more appreciated now than it was when Rocky Five came out in 1990. I think you'd be able to stick the landing because A, Michael B. Jordan would sell it because all those scenes you said, he'd, he'd be crying and like, he's the amazing crier. He can scream. He can, like, he'd, he'd kill it. Him and Tessa Thompson have amazing chemistry. So it, it would work for me. I would, I would think I would just be too nervous to do it. That's all. Yep. No. And That's why asked, I didn't pull the trigger. I, and I'm sure no Hollywood studio would be like, you can't, yeah, go ahead and make a Rocky movie with no fight at the end. They would be like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> This is what these movies are about. But but I, I got inspiration recently from a Stallone interview, I think, when he was – that you sent me a documentary about the recutting of Rocky IV. And he yeah. said, I never considered this a sports movie, ever, ever. He said, it's a drama. And I thought, ah. And I know for me personally, like, I'm getting tired of the fights. You know, the the end fight was not my favorite part of Creed Two. Because I'm like, he's just going to win. We know he's just going to come back and he's going to win. I thought it was much more interesting in the first fight in Creed 2 where he loses. Um, I, I I just know to me it, they're getting a bit anticlimactic with the fights. And as you say, this is part nine. They've We've had eight <laughs> other fights. <laughs> Do we? And do we... you probably in yours, you have a probably a good fight in like my. I don't have a fight in the second act, like a big one. You right, have I had your... a big middle, a big fight in the yeah. middle. So there is still a fight in the movie. I'm yeah. I'm ready to see this movie end on an emotional note and not on a fight. Mm-hmm. No, and that's it's ballsy, and I love it. I think it's great. It's all there. The messenger. Now, my question to you is, I don't know if it's the same answer. What is Donnie fighting for in uh. your version? Yeah, I struggled with this a lot because it's all been done. It was like his identity and the, <laughs> I don't even, I don't quite know what it is in 2 that he's fighting for. It's something about his dad and not. Sorry, Creed dad. 2 or Rocky 2? Creed, Creed 2? Creed 2, yeah. He's, the the big thing, because now that he's his daughter, what I've gathered from it is now he has to learn to fight out of his father's shadow. Yeah. There's okay. the one scene when he talks to Rocky in there and he's like, he doesn't hear his father anymore. Right. So, and then Rocky says, now you know what you're fighting for. The first okay. one is his, is him acknowledging his father and his legacy. Now it's stepping away from it. And they do a lot of symbolism with the daughter not being able to hear yeah. her crying. Him, not, It's there. It's not the best, but it's there. They so just it- muddle over it a little bit. It, mine's not as rich. It was just going to be, yeah. he, uh, he says it, it, he doesn't know how to do anything else. He doesn't know how mm-hmm. to process every emotion he has. He processes by getting angry. So the idea is when Bianca's career is in trouble, he feels really bad for her. Like that hurts him too, because he cares about her, but he doesn't know how to deal. All he knows how to do is fight. So he gets angry uh, and he gets angry at her and he projects that, you know, he sublimates his, his sadness and his fear into anger and then takes it out on her. Same thing when Amora is bullied at school. He can't stand the idea, as no parent can, of their child getting bullied. That's just like, you, you don't know what to do. It's one of your biggest fears. All he knows how to do is fight. He goes and he beats the guy up. This whole movie is just about him fighting and fighting and fighting. So he has to learn that 
he's there's other ways of deal dealing with this there's other ways of dealing with what he's feeling and it doesn't always have to he doesn't have to do this anymore he literally he's got the money he's got the family he's got everything he needed he's defined himself he's proven himself he's become his own man he, he the, in this one he has to learn he doesn't need to fight anymore he's got no reason mm-hmm. to fight anymore i like it yeah now obvious this is the question i wanted to end on and i think i know the answer but um, obviously, Creed three is happening. It's official. Do you think a Creed three should exist, or do you think they should have went out and because they got lucky with Creed two, they did again another good young filmmaker came in, some good screenwriters. They got lucky. They 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 made Rocky four better. Do they risk? Uh, and I think Michael B. Jordan is a first time director. I don't think he's directed a feature film before. So yeah. do you think this movie should exist or do you think they should have just counted their blessings and went out with Creed 2 which like I said before you can't top that like that's it's in regards to a fighting climax Well I think you and I both started this project with uh where does he go now mm-hmm. right and and both of us said if they do one more, they can't do a fourth. Like, this is it. They've got one more <laughs> shot at a story. This can't go on forever. So I think you and I both tapped into, like, the best ways to end something. Yours was, like, passing the torch onto somebody else. Mine was, you know, realizing that you can retire and, that, and that's okay. You don't need to do this anymore. So do, does... I don't know. It, it would it would have to depend on like what you and I did. There'd have to be a story worth telling. There has to be something that Donnie hasn't gone through yet. And and maybe that's right. Like in both of our stories, he ends his career. So sure, I say fine. If you want to tell the story, but it has to be about how Donnie decides not to fight anymore. We saw him start fighting. We saw him prove himself. We saw him define himself. Now we have to see him end his career. And, that's, and I'd be yeah. fine with that. I agree. I was the same way at the beginning of Creed when Creed 2 was announced. I'm like, come on. Like, you got lucky with Creed. Like, it was fine. And then they made the second one. I am now in the camp of doing it, and I'm super nervous because I don't want it to be bad. But I love the idea of doing it without Rocky. I think Michael B. Jordan has earned the right to do one standalone movie and prove himself. It's kind of like a little metaphorical to Creed where – he doesn't have the Academy Award nominated performance by Stallone in the first one. Stallone helped write the second one. He's in a lot of Creed 2. Now it's his turn to prove that he wasn't a mistake. <laughs> but um, that um, he can do it. And, and he's directing. And like I said, he's following in the same footsteps as Stallone. Stallone directed the second, the third, the fourth. So I, I hope Michael B. Jordan doesn't do that. But he deserves one shot. If he goes out, he goes out on his own terms. And I wish him the best. I love Michael B. Jordan. Everything he touches is great. So I'm really, I'm a little more optimistic than I was when it was first announced. And I think they made the right decision without Stallone being in it. Stallone, you just do your cheesy action movies. Don't, Rocky's done. You can't, you can't, he had too many endings and just be done with it. And what they decide to do, I have no idea. I don't know if they'll go to, we both had Rocky's grave in it. I don't know what they're going to do, but I just, he cannot appear in the movie. That is number one important uh, thing for me. And I don't know that the studio will want that, right? I think they're banking on, I can see studio heads going, Stallone was big in these movies. He was on the posters. Yeah. He was he was heavily marketed. 
for both of them. So I agree as well. I don't know that Hollywood will let it happen. And I don't know if uh, Stallone's Hollywood. E- ego will let it happen. <laughs> but I think, just to end on this, like, it, I watched the same documentary because I sent it to you for the Ro- the making of Rocky versus Drago. It seems like he's changed his ego from, again, he's on camera. It could all be a show. But it seems like he's learned a lot from this process of re-editing the epic Rocky four that in the middle of his prime when he made like he's he's acknowledging all the mistakes he made and editing it and everything he did I think I have a little bit of hope that it the, the whatever ego he had is gone and he can happily watch Michael B. Jordan direct and make this one without his involvement I I, I have faith but who knows he'll he'll probably appear in it who knows <laughs> but I have faith. I think this experience, from what I gather from the documentary, he really opens up. He admits a lot of things, a lot of mistakes he made. And I, I listen again. Just I listened to him on his daughter's podcast, and he talked about a bunch of other career mistakes he made. He's in a weird stage right now. He's really reminiscing and talking about a lot of his mistakes he made in his career. So I'm optimistic. Creed three, go for it. Michael B. Jordan, wish you all the best. And Stallone has to stay away from it and watch from a distance. He needs to go the distance. <laughs> and if he and if he wants to use our story ideas, he's free to reach out to us. Uh, How a, amazing! A if they took fee. they took something from they took something from mine, took something from yours. You and I both share a story credit <laughs> on it. That'd be amazing. This and we finally it. made it. You hear it? Yeah. We made it, Adam. We did it. <laughs> and we get they pay us a million dollars, and we split it. A million. <laughs> Forget it. I want a million of my own. All right. Well, two. then that's we'll get agents and we'll fight for a million dollars each. <laughs> two local idiots blow chance at Hollywood credit. <laughs> <laughs> they right, give Adam. us an opportunity to direct Creed Four. <laughs> the straight to DVD Creed Four. Tommy Gunn's son comes back and it's gonna be great. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. I, that this was fun. I'm glad. Again, we broke new ground, so a little, uh, little, uh, little metaphorical there. That was good. I always enjoy it, and I loved your idea. I'm glad you went there. I didn't have the guts to do it, and I'm glad Jerome appeared in both of our movies. <laughs> Gotta love Jerome. I can't wait for the Jerome yeah. spinoff. <laughs> all right. Well, to all the Rocky fans who listened, uh, uh, Rocky versus Dragos coming out soon, and uh, Creed three. I think next year. I think I don't know when it's supposed to drop next year, but uh, we'll look forward to that. And uh, Andrew, thanks again. Go for it. Go. go. <laughs> I'm gonna. Ca- I'm. I'm calling this episode. Go for it. Well, there you have it. Adam and my versions of Creed three. Both that deal with a darker side to Adonis as he grapples with his future, his family, and continuing on without Rocky by his side. While Adam's draft deals with legacy, loss, and family, mine has Donnie dealing with CTE and questioning if he should continue to be a boxer at all. Both versions have Adonis overcome self-destructive tendencies and redefining himself as a father and husband. And as always on whoever does the sequel, While we like to imagine how we would restore an already broken franchise to its former glory, we never encourage making a sequel to a story that's already been fittingly concluded. In the case of the Creed movies, they're not broken. Yet. But before they make a third entry, maybe they should consider that ending the franchise on a high note is the only way to guarantee that Adonis Creed 
can go the distance. For the Viewer's Cut, I'm Andrew Dodd. And I'm Adam Galloway. Thanks for listening, and remember that sometimes the greatest sequel is the one that never comes. You want to ring the bell, Adam? All right. Ding, ding. Hey there. Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as The Viewer's Cut. Bye-bye.